1: This is Make it Make it M.I.P. with Marseilla, Marseilla.
2: Mark Thompson. Make it Get woke. Folks, this week will be an historic reparations hearing coinciding with Black History Month as we not only observe Black History Month, but We acknowledge all of the hard work that has gone into H.R. 40, the Conyers Bill. And so, here to talk to us about reparations, and we're going to be talking more and more about reparations. This legislation, in particular, uh, is someone who's been on the reparations battlefield for a number of years. She is one of our preeminent activist lawyers. I'm going to hear a little bit about her history and the movement and what she thinks the prospects are for getting H.R. 40 passed and the prospects for reparations in general. She is also the author of a new book that everybody needs to get. Black Power, Black Lawyer. And let me just let everyone know what's made the book so popular and go viral is that the book chronicles a secret sex tape that she was involved in. So I know I got everybody's attention now. Uh, we're not going to talk about that today. We want y'all to get to, we're going to talk about reparations today, but you want to get this book, Black Power, Black Lawyer, and read about the uh, sex tape that no one has seen and at any moment could just maybe appear. Um, but let's not, let, let me not let that distract you from the subject at hand. Uh,
1: <laughs> you have <were> totally distracted <laughs> me already, my mother. Dude, I want uh, get that.
2: <laughs> our, our, our dear sister, the author of Black Power, Black Lawyer, Nikichi Taifa, attorney Nikichi Taifa, Nikichi, how are you?
1: Hey, my brother, how you doing? I'm Don't good. hype up your folk like that. It ain't all that. It gets juicy, but it ain't all
2: that. Well, you know, everybody I've shared that with, they're like, "Oh my God, I got to go get this book." So that's what's going on. So, first of all, how are you, and and how are you faring in this crazy? pandemic and police-demic that we're dealing with?
1: Well, there's a pandemic and there's a police pandemic and the like, but let me tell you this, the issue of reparations is soaring on. So, you know, hey, this is an issue whose time has come. Whether it's a pandemic or what, it is here. It is happening. The time is now.
2: And as a matter of fact, many of the disparities we're facing health-wise in the pandemic, justice-wise in the police-demic, Reparations. Well, let me add one more. The, the white terror that we saw on Capitol Hill, all those things, reparations would actually address, wouldn't it?
1: Oh absolutely and completely because some most folk think that reparations is just for slavery but absolutely not it's for the enslavement era and everything that has happened afterwards up to today everything that's been enveloped in white supremacy which is what we saw on uh uh on January 6th the health disparities that we saw with the advent of the um of the health um, pandemic of uh, the economic uh, wealth gap educational uh, disparities the mass incarceration, all of these issues are symptoms of the original sin, which has never been reconciled or reckoned with.
2: Nikichi, I think the audience would like to know a little bit about your history as an activist in the reparations movement, how you were introduced to it, how you came to be such a part of this. You've been involved in reparations most of your life.
1: Yeah, well, actually, my first memory is as a teenager, um, selling Black Panther Party newspapers on the streets of Washington, D.C. And if anyone knows in the, the, the Black Panther, uh, 10 point program, point number three talked about reparations. It talked about payback, you know, for uh slavery and it brought up the, that um, dichotomy between, um, you know, what was happening with um, the Jews being paid reparations, because we're talking about at that time for me that was like the early early seventies, uh, and uh, what was not and had not happened uh, for Black folk. So then, as the years you know went on, I became involved with various movements, most notably what I call the Black Power movement or the New African Independence movement, and we always were talking about reparations. In fact, every single movement. Um, you know, it has talked about reparations, whether it was used that term or not, the Garvey movement, the Cali House and uh, the Isaiah Dickinson and the, um, ex-slave mutual bounty and pension association back in the late 1800s, whether it was Queen Mother Audley Moore who kept the issue of reparations alive her entire life, whether it was the Republic of New Africa who in its Declaration of Independence said, we claim no rights for the United States, other than those rights belonging to oppressed people wherever they may be, and these include the right to reparations. Whether it was Dorothy Lewis and the Black Reparations Commission, the African National Reparations Organization, the Black United Front and combat uh, of war whether it's the Nation of Islam, who's always talked about exempting Black people from all taxation as long as we are denied um, justice, all the way through what I call the dawning of the modern era reparations movement, the founding of in which you were there, uh, Maximella Mark Thompson, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. I remember that meeting September uh, uh, 1987 when the call came through for all reparations loving people to come to Washington, D.C. and determine how are we going to push and move this uh, movement, this issue uh, forward? And then we decided, we need to take it from the um, um, the edges of, you know, the Black nationalist movement and bring it out more so in the mainstream. And the National Conference of Black Lawyers was, I would say, the first, you might not consider it a mainstream organization, but it wasn't a Black nationalist, Black power formation. It was a legal organization that you know, serve to help and represent people. But they really came on board and really helped to push with sororities and fraternities, with religious institutions, um, uh, with mainstream uh, civil rights organizations. And the rest is just current history.
2: No question about it. And, and very, very important history at that. How are you feeling about this, the hearing, the upcoming hearing, what and, and how important it will be uh, in terms of moving H.R. 40 forward, because after all, we've got to have a hearing. Hopefully that will lead to a markup. What What, what are your forecasts about the hearing situation?
1: So let me just backtrack for a moment, if I may, because there was a historic um, hearing after nearly two decades of no hearings last year on June uh, 10th. Historic in that I, it was the first time there was a hearing in quite so many many years on H.R. 40, the Commission to Study and Develop Reparation Proposals for African-Americans. And that was the hearing where Ta-Nehisi Coates spoke and Danny Glover and, um, and National African-American Reparations Commissioner uh, Julianne Malbo and, and others all spoke so very eloquently and helped to push this, informa- this information even further along the map. But the hearing is just another step along the path to passage. Each Congress, the bill has to be reintroduced. So although last Congress, we had the height of co-sponsors that we have ever had, I think up to about 175 or more, something along those lines, in the House, and I think about 20 in the Senate. We have to start from scratch now with the beginning of the 117th Congress where we are now. So the hearing is going to be tomorrow. Again, it is a requisite Um, towards getting the markup and then uh, the vote. So the bill is moving along the path that actually it should have moved along 30 years ago.
2: Are are you confident that with all the co-sponsors, the unprecedented number that this bill, because we we would hope it would have been passed last year. Do we have reason to be confident that it will be passed now in 2021?
1: Well, the issue of passing, is a nuanced one. I am confident that something will occur, whether it's legislatively or whether it is by uh, executive order. Although one might think um, uh, that because the uh, Democrats control the House, uh, I have the majority in the House and uh, equal, equal distance, I guess you could say, in the Senate and the White House and it should be a slam dunk. Well, just like D.C. statehood, not necessarily, because you need what's called a supermajority in the Senate in, over, in order to um, uh, really, really pass and override a veto, uh, which really happened all throughout the era when I.D.B. Wells in the early days of the NAACP were fighting against lynching, uh, anti-lynching. And they were always continuously... Um, uh, um, filibusters and not being able to muster enough votes to overcome the filibuster. So we do have an uphill battle. I'm not going to say we could just sit on our laurels now because everybody in the, in the country is talking about reparations. We still have a way to go either legislatively or pursuant to executive.
2: You know, th- this is, this is very, very important. And, and also if you could explain to our audience how reparations is, is not necessarily a one size fit all thing. And that's what the commission is for to figure out, what are the best proposals to bring about reparations, both individually and collectively, correct?
1: Absolutely. We see a lot of people, some people uh, rhetorically think that reparations is just about get my chat. It's just about a chat. Oh, my goodness. The harm was so very multifaceted. Thus, the remedy, the solutions must be multifaceted as well. I'm not diminishing um, the part of any legitimate reparations quest. Money damages is always a part, but absolutely, particularly in our situation where the harm is just totally and completely incalculable. I want to repeat that incalculable national african-american reparations commission says that no amount of monetary resources can ever uh, you know, reach the level of, of remedy uh, for us. So what do we do? We look at things in addition to monetary. Let's look at land. We got land that was stolen. Let's look at housing, you know, redlining and all that uh, scenario. Let's look at truthful textbooks. I'm just learning some of our history and I consider myself a historian. Let's look at repairing the harms from the war on drugs. Let's look at this health pandemic that we're currently in in this country and the health Deficit, what they call like the slave health deficit that travels in our genes, epigenetic, intergenerational trauma traveling within our genes. All of those things need to be remedied. Monuments and, you know, museums, excuse me, the right to self determination. What do I mean by that? Some people might want to go back to Africa. Are they supposed to just jump in the river and swim naked? No, they need repatriation resources. Some people. Some people, OK, want to establish an independent black nation. this, I mean, you know, whatever this other people, folk, most folk at this stage want to join this country and really make citizenship, really make a multiracial nation a reality. Well, what are the types of policies and practices that need to be put into place to enable that to happen? So the right to self-determination, determining what? People want as a people should be a part of the reparations equation as well. And don't let me forget about this. Clemency, commentations and pardons for all of those who were victims of the FBI's once secret white illegal movement program against the black community, the COINTELPRO, the counterintelligence um, program. And there is precedent for that. The Japanese American Reparations Act passed in 1988 not only provided for $20,000 siege, Japanese-American detention camp survivor, a trust fund to be used to educate folk about their suffering, a formal apology for the United States government, but also, Brother Matthew Miller. it included a pardon for all of those convicted of resisting detention camp internment. And I just say that because yeah, we got folk languishing in prison. Suniata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, Lena Pill, folk languishing in prison as a result of the illegal war like tactics that arms of the US government used to us. So this president for pardons as well.
2: Well, and now that you mention it, everybody's going crazy over the Judas and the Black Messiah movie. Oh, this is great. Love it, love it, love it. But it's not just great. It is a lesson in what Nikich is talking about. uh, as we the movie depicts COINTELPRO assassinating. Fred Hampton and Mark Clark, um, what it also reveals is that there are those who are members of the Black Panther Party who are still languishing in prison. So the movies, you have to start thinking about things in a reparational way, folks, right? Nikichi? So don't just look at a movie and go, oh, it is so good. We had a movie watch party. No, it's more than that. That movie, if you look at it from a reparational point of view, you want to get out here and fight even harder. The H.R. 40 to be made a reality. Right. Nikichi?
1: Absolutely. And I really love the way you framed that. Everything must be looked at. Everything for our people must be looked at from a reparationist point of view. Thank you for that. I'm going to use that.
2: <laughs> well, feel free, because this is this is a very important moment for us, a very important um, uh, time for us. Um I mean, as you said, you know, pa- getting the bill passed is, is is relative and maybe somewhat rhetorical, but we've not come this close before. Doesn't, too, I mean, black people have been giving our lives and our votes to white elected officials since forever. I mean, you would not have a Joe Biden and a Kamala Harris if it weren't for black folk in the black vote, particularly in a cotton state like Georgia. Doesn't this administration owe us either signing the bill if it's passed, or if the bill gets hung up, appointing the commission as an executive order? Should aren't, don't we have a right to demand that of this administration, Nakichi?
1: Absolutely and completely. Our people, <laughs> our people have saved this country <laughs> time after time after time. The most recent being, um, uh, you know they the election in Georgia and where we are now today in the 117th uh, Congress with this new uh, administration would not be in existence if it were not for our Black people. And, you know, it's not a heavy lift. Let's not get it twisted. H.R. 40 does not give one man cent to anybody. All it does is set up a commission. That's why it just it, 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 it boggles me. As to why there is such resistance, you know, we're talking about a commission to study and develop proposals. It doesn't pass the proposals. It's not the end all or the final say. It's simply to gather together the experts to look at the issue, look at all of the, uh, uh the evidence, <laughs> open up the casket is I we say, you know, that is there and to develop proposals to submit to Congress for discussion and debate. It ain't a heavy lift, y'all. And for the current administration, the Biden-Harris administration, to... Just go in and pass it, pass the bill, pass the bill through executive order right now so we don't have to wait through getting more co-sponsors, so we don't have to wait through you know a possible filibuster or anything along those lines. Do it now and let the commission start its work.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's very important. That's what we need, folks. And we should should also mention that the bill has evolved. Some people are even confused. Like, oh, it's just a study. It's just a study. just a study. But it's not. Can you explain to the audience how the bill has evolved and changed from just being a study bill and more now of a remedy bill,
1: Uh Yeah, so I was back there in um, 1989 <clears throat> when in National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America worked very closely with Congressman John Conyers in crafting the original H.R. 40, the Commission to Study Reparation Proposals. And it was strategic to do it that way. The Japanese American Redress Bill had just passed. The model that they used was to institute a federally chartered commission to study the issue. And then after that study, then they went back and developed proposals. Well, after 30 years, you know, it was decided in the now, the conference table of National African American Reparations Commission, led by um, Dr. Ron Daniels, when one of our commissioners, Kim Howard, who is a co-chair of INCOBA, said, look, we've studied this enough. We have all of this evidence, all of these books, all of these articles, all of this research that is enveloped over the past 30 years we don't need to study this anymore the studies are there the bill when it's reintroduced has to include not just study but also about the work of actually developing the proposals that will be submitted to congress so we don't have to have an eight year wait like the japanese had between their study bill and their actual proposal let's just envelop it all in one so at the beginning of the 115th congress um i think it was um At the retirement of John Conyers, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee took up the reins with the newly updated bill, H.R. 40, the Commission to Study and Develop Reparation Proposals for African Americans. And now we do have a Senate um, complement to the bill um, introduced by Senator Cory Booker, um, and that also casts the number 40. So that's S-40. So now we have H.R. 40, we have S-40 all coming from that campaign promise way back then after the Civil War to provide free families with the hallowed 40 acres and the mule. So that's where the 40 comes from.
2: Amen. Nikita, in closing, please um, uh, give our audience a charge and some marching orders as to why they should contact their elected officials to support H.R. 40 and Senate Bill 40?
1: Everybody out there within the sound of my voice need to do what is important, need to do what is necessary, need to do it now. Need to contact your representatives, need to contact your senators and need to contact uh, the uh, Biden-Harris team of the critical importance right here, right now, today of passing H.R. 40 so that we can be about the task of correcting issues that have remained unresolved unreckoned with since the end of the civil war the time is now we cannot wait reparations now
2: amen our sister Nikichi taif and now folks i'm well aware that most of you i hope you'll come back and download this podcast share it to others share it with others i'm sure most of you did not hear most of what was said the first listening because you heard me talk about the book and the sex tape and you probably got off to go and Google that and order the book, which is good. We want people to buy the book. Now come back after you you know done that. Come back, listen again so you can hear everything about reparations uh <laughs> as well. So uh um uh we did uh, uh, we did a lot book launch for Nikichi y'all and hundreds of people's on the book launch on Zoom and then I interviewed her and talked about sex tape everybody got off to zoom to go order the book so it worked and it came back but you know it, it was a, but it's in the book so you all can read it. i'm not gonna give any more away <laughs> y'all can read about it because we know that's what folk like to read about it. um but we appreciate There's
1: uh, a lot of other stuff in that book too oh yeah,
2: it's <laughs> a lot of stuff. i mean and, and she alluded to y'all Nikichi <laughs> is a journey woman when it comes to our struggle in fact you know I, you know i'll be honest with you we are um When we look at the people, and I'm not just saying this because I know Nikichi personally is a friend, but you know, I sit here and think about you, Nikichi, there aren't a lot of people still around who have overlapped as many revolutionary organizations as you have and have actually been a part, I mean, from Black Panther Party, Republic of New Africa, National Conference of Black Lawyers, on and on. There ain't a whole lot of people who, if you put put them in a Venn diagram, would cut and intersect all of those. Um, and you know, so we we appreciate you for that. And the book talks about that. You know, a lot of us, it's a you know, proper thing to be woke, I'm woke. And but, you know, being woke was a little bit different in Nikichi's era when she was younger, when we were younger, but you were part of organization, you were part of real revolutionary work, and that's what it's really about. It's not about just putting stuff on social media, okay, as some folk think uh but Nikichi is that person so if you want to learn if you want someone in contemporary times to emulate uh and to learn from uh we invite you all to check out Black Power Black Lawyer, not just for the sex tape but for all the things that that she's done and contributed to our revolutionary struggle and can she continues she's really uh one of our uh connections to an era, and we've lost a lot of our revolutionaries. You know, even in the past year in this COVID, but Nikichi is 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 started so young. You know, she's still with us and has a lot of that experience that she can share. The book shares that, and she does as well. So you all look her up, follow her, and uh, t- you know, tell everybody where to find you on social media too, Nikichi so they can follow your social media and see some real stuff.
1: All right, thank you very much, Brother Masamala. I'm on uh, Twitter Nikichi underscore uh Taifa I'm on Instagram uh Nikichi Taifa I'm, I'm on Facebook Um, but I'm yes just go to my website www.blackpowerblacklawyer.com and there's information about ordering the book all up in there up in there
2: wonderful amazing Nikichi Taifa we appreciate you thank you for joining us as always on on make it plain it's thank it's pretty so when,
3: when
2: you when you interview your friends that you know for years like oh well, you know if we do an interview we have to be as formal as we we have to be but this is how we talk all the time uh, because this is my revolutionary sister much love to you sister and we thank you
1: thank you my brother peace and blessings
2: thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain please remember to listen like subscribe and wherever you get your podcasts please give the show a five-star rating and please do spread the word Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.